try that again. Good morning. How are y'all doing this morning? Good, good. Just give it up for our band uh, for doing an amazing job this morning and leading us in worship. We are um, blessed to, to have such uh, talented and gifted uh, leaders uh, to lead us in worship on this morning. Um, listen, I'm... I'm uh, I'm happy to be at this point, but I'm, I'm also saddened. Um, I've really enjoyed myself this week. This has really been, been great. Um, my wife and I were talking about just how hospitable you guys have been. It's just amazing. You all, all have been. It's just been amazing. And so just thank God for, for you all. I want to thank Pastor Eric for this opportunity just to come and share with you all. I think it's awesome and amazing at how you all allowed him this time to, to rest and refuel so he can come back more fired, more pumped uh, for, for the Lord. So um, thank God for him. Thank God also for the leadership that's been here. You have done an amazing job. Your leadership uh, should be proud. Uh, you all have been very encouraging to me, very supportive. Uh, very patient uh, with me, so I thank you so much for uh, just how you all have, have carried yourself as well. And I thank you all who have just come uh, Sunday after Sunday and not allowed me just to preach to my wife, uh, but you all have shown up. <laughs> thank you so much uh, for showing up, and to my kids as well. Uh, but I thank you all so much <laughs> for showing up and, and being here. But I really think you all, you all should really be proud of how you all are carrying yourself and your pastor's out absence. And a reminder that, hey, man, that we, the, the, the worship must go on, church must go on, and you all have done an amazing job in doing that. Uh, we are finishing up with our uh, prune series, and um, as I, I may have stated, I may not have said it, but uh, this is not a comprehensive list of what we need to prune, right? It's not a comprehensive, it's not everything that we need to prune. Um, uh, there, there, there are some things that you may have in your own life that you may need to take time to think and say, what do I need to cut out to make me more like Christ? What, what do I need to cut out? This list may not do. You, you know, you understand what you may need to do. Uh, there's other things like anger and lust and greed, uh, judging, uh, jealousy, lying, things that we may need to cut, need to cut out of our lives uh, and out of our, uh, out of our lives and our time to be more like Christ. And so uh, this month we have, uh, we've talked about worry. We've talked about wasting time. Uh, we have talked about pride. Uh, we have talked about unforgiveness, and today we're talking about comparison. We're talking about comparison, uh, pruning comparison. We're going from, from comparing to concentrating on Christ to focusing on Christ. Believers must concentrate. We must focus on the Lord. And we're going to be in John chapter 21, verse 20 to verse 22. We'll get there in just a minute. Uh, but we're in John chapter 21, verse 20 to 22. And we'll get there in just a minute. But I'm going to think about this uh, message today. Uh, it reminded me of uh, the TV show, the, the Cosby's, the Cosby's TV show. Uh, there is an episode um, in this TV show uh, where a 14-year-old uh, Theo, he, is, is, he comes home with this shirt, this Gordon Gartrell shirt. Right. And he he he's uh, he's going out with his friends and uh, his parents find out that this shirt cost him ninety five dollars. And they tell him the the only 14 year old who should have a ninety five dollar shirt is on stage with his four brothers behind him. Uh, <laughs> some of you all don't get that reference. That's Michael Jackson. <laughs> 
<laughs> but they, they tell Theo, hey, hey, you got to take that. We're going to have to take that shirt back. Well, uh, he tells his sister Denise, and uh, Denise, uh, she's into fabric, and she's doing a lot of just some, some sewing and stuff, and she tells him, Oh, I can make that shirt for you, right? And so she tells the uh, he uh, tells him that he can make it for thirty dollars, and basically this is what happens. This is what happens. His shirt comes out like this. Theo hates it. He's he's not happy about it. It's really a funny scene. Honestly, you gotta watch the episode. Uh, his, but he goes downstairs and he shows it to his dad, and his dad gets a good laugh out of it. But he reminds that uh, his dad lets him know that hey, he never took the shirt back. Uh, when he found out that his sister was making the shirt, he said he might be a good idea just to keep the shirt. Just Okay, <laughs> and so he never takes the shirt back. But as Theo is going upstairs to go and change into this Gordon Gartrell shirt, his friends see him. They they walk in, and uh, his friends basically say, "Hey, dude!" One, one of his friends say, "Hey, uh, I think you got your shirt on inside out." Uh, uh, and then other two friends, two young ladies, they tell they like the shirt, and, and that changes Theo's opinion of the shirt. Uh, he 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 then goes into loving the shirt, and he begins to brag about the shirt because they like it. It, it took uh, others for Theo to uh, see the uniqueness of the shirt. But this is what happens often when we compare uh, and when we copy. It doesn't always come out like the original. When we compare and we, we copy sometimes, it doesn't come out like the original. Comparison is really in all that we do. There, there, <laughs> there, uh, there, there is really, it's impossible to get, a, get away from comparing. We compare uh, things all the time. We, uh, if we compare what works for us. If, uh, is it better? Can I get this better at Walmart or can I get it at Target? Uh, should I get the uh, Chevy? Should I get the Ford or should I get the Dodge? You know, and it, we, we compare things all of the time, right? And, and, uh, it, but, but we also compare things internally as well. We compare things internally. We compare to see uh, where we stand sometimes, our standard. Where is the standard? We, we compare to get better. Sometimes we're copying the actions of others, imitating to be like them, to be better. We also compare out of pride too, right? We, we compare out of pride. It, it makes our ego feel good because we know that we're, we're better than others at, at certain things. We also compare out of jealousy as well. It, and this oftentimes makes us feel bad. It makes us feel envious. Much of our internal comparisons uh, leave us feeling bad. It, it normally doesn't help us feel, uh, help us uh, like the way where we think it will. Uh, comparison often fails. It, comparison often fails because we don't know enough information. We, we, we don't know enough to compare fairly, right? We, we, we end up feeling bad uh, when we, we don't know the whole story or we're, we're trying to compare apples to oranges and there two things are really not alike, but we're going to compare them anyways. And sometimes we compare, and when we compare, we, we, we're not being fair to the other person. Sometimes we're not being fair to ourselves when we compare too. And, and that happens because we have a lack of knowledge, for example, when we look at social media, there, there are a tons of, of people who have uh, promoted these lives that they live on or, or, or promoted this brand that they use, uh, that they really don't use, or, or, or they, they don't really look the way that they say that they look on, uh, online. Uh, thanks to technology, you can change your appearance. And, and, and in reality, they're lying. They, they have you feeling bad about yourself. You, you're feeling bad about your relationship. You're feeling bad about your life, when in reality, what they're putting up and promoting is not really true. 
Social media, oftentimes we do that. We put, up, uh, we put up our best, but we hide our worst, right? I'm going to put up this good picture of me. I'm not putting up this ugly picture of me. Uh, I'm putting up this good picture. Uh, but, but if you had more of the story, to be honest with you, if you had more of the truth, you, you wouldn't feel half as bad uh, about how you looked. If you had more of the story of the truth, you wouldn't feel half as bad about your relationship or about uh, how much you traveled here or there. But we, and, and here's the beautiful thing of, of church and being in church and being in community is that you can have authentic, real relationships with other people. We, we can have those things. And in the church, people will, will be honest and open with you and let you know about various things like marriage, that marriage is work. It, it, it comes with work. I, I, know, I know that they look good, they look great, but they'll tell you, no, marriage is work. It takes work to, to get to here. That even parenting, that parenting is work. And for young adults, they'll tell you, adulting is work. It's, it's, it's real work, but that's what community does within the church. We can take off those facades and be honest and be truthful with others. Much of what social media is, is, is sometimes it's smoke and mirrors. It is not what it appears to be. Here, here's just some statistics really uh, real quick. Some, some negative emotions that sometimes we see uh, on, on, on what social media does. Uh, Barna put out this information not too long ago, but uh, this is for the, some of the younger, younger people. But it says social media makes me feel critical of myself. And so they, they have, for those who are ages 13 to 17, girls said, uh, uh, yes, uh, 34%. Uh, then boys... Uh, said yes, 24%. Uh, and then you have 18 to 21, uh, young adult girls says uh, 46%. And that number goes up. But then for young adult guys, the number goes up as well, but it's, it's 33%. But then it also tells us that social, me- social media makes me feel insecure. Look again at 13 to 17 percent, uh, 13 to 17 year old boys at 16%, girls at 32%. But then we look at 18 to 21, young adult guys says 27%, but then young adult girls, 42%. It's something to consider that, that the social media, yes, uh, that is, this is not the only emotion that we get from social media. There are a lot of range of emotions, but this is something to th- consider, to think about that. So oftentimes we're comparing and, and what is it doing to me mentally? What is, what is it doing to, to, uh, to, to my mind and my life And when I compare? And so we want to consider and think of those things. We, we, we don't know when we compare. And, and that's really the problem. We don't know the whole story. But here's the thing. When God compares, God knows. God knows. And when we look at Genesis, we see Cain and Abel's offering, right? And, and God regards Abel's offering, but he does not regard Cain's offering. And the Lord tells Cain, hey, hey, if you do what is right, won't you be accepted? He tells him this. But then God also tells him, hey, man, uh, sin is crouching at the door. <laughs> and instead of making the change, instead of getting better, what does Cain do? Uh, instead of make, making a better offering to God, what does he do? He goes and kills his brother. He, he kills his, his comparison. He kills his competition. God knows something that we don't. <laughs> He knows. And in this context today, it's apparent as well. In the text, we see the omniscience of Jesus. Jesus knows. We, we may not know, but Jesus knows. And so we see it. And so uh, leading up to the passage today, of, uh, to, to the verses 20 to 21, we see kind of what happens from verses 1 to verse 19. Firstly, it, it, it tells us that Peter and some disciples, they're going to go fishing at night. And Peter, it was really Peter's idea. The disciples go out, and, and not as usual. But they go out and they catch nothing at first. And Jesus shows up in the morning on the shore. They don't know it's Jesus. And Jesus tells them, what? do what? 
throw their nets on the other side. They throw their nets on the other side, and what do they do? Catch a lot of fish, right? And it's as plain as can it, be, it can be said, John said, that is Jesus. And he tells Peter that. And Peter jumps off the boat, and, and he gets, uh, uh, goes ashore to, to, to meet Jesus, and the, the rest of them come ashore. And then we see that Jesus has a charcoal fire uh, there, and Jesus says, hey, bring some of the fish. He's, uh, they're doing a breakfast. They're doing a fish fry. Uh, he says, he's bring some of the fish. And the Bible tells us, like, there's 153 fish. I was like, man, this is just like some fishermen. They're going to tell you exactly how many fish they caught. <laughs> they, they sell. It's a 153 fishes the third time that Jesus has appeared to them since he had risen from the dead. And so we see that happening, but after breakfast, Jesus pulls Peter aside and he, he, he begins to talk with him. He's restoring Peter. This is the resta- restoration of Peter or the recommissioning of Peter and, because Peter denied knowing Jesus three times before his crucifixion. But Jesus says to Peter, he says, Simon, son of Judah, do you love me, right? And more than these. And then Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. He says, you know I love you. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. Jesus says again, Simon, Son of John, do you love me? Peter says, you know I love you, Lord. Oh, I love you. Jesus says, shepherd my sheep. But then thirdly, he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Jesus asked him a third time. Peter was grieved by this time because he would think that, that Jesus knows that he loves him. Peter says, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep then what happens is Jesus tells Peter a little bit of his future, of what will happen in the future. He says, he said, when you were younger, uh, uh, you would tie uh, your belt and you would go where you wanted to go. But when you get old, you will stretch out your hand and someone else will tie, will, will, will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He's letting him in on some of what is going to happen in his future, alluding to his death. Peter's death would also bring glory to God, and, and uh, like Lazarus' death, remember, uh, uh, the, the, the scholars say basically that Peter uh, decided a, would, 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 would not want to be crucified like Jesus. He'd rather be crucified upside down. Um, um, but Jesus ends verse 19 with this. He says, follow me. He ends, him with, ends it with that. The same words that were given to Peter and some of the other disciples in the beginning of the ministry, he says, follow me. He's recommissioning. He, he's, he's giving him this task again, follow me. But listen, check out the three things that Jesus knows. Just in chapter 21, he knows where the disciples are. He knows where the fish are. He, he knows that Peter loves him. According to Peter, he knows everything. But then he also, he lets Peter in that he knows his future. Peter, Jesus knows his future. And before <laughs> the resurrection, Peter argued with Jesus in Matthew 26. Remember, he, he says, tonight all, all, Jesus says, all, tonight of you, you all will fall away from me because of me. And Peter told him, Lord, even if everyone falls away, what does he say? I, I, I will never fall away. Jesus says, truly, <laughs> Jesus says, tonight before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. He says, even if, even if I have to die with you, Peter told him. And uh, he said, I will never deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing. And as we know, it happened just as Jesus says. But Peter now comes under conviction. He now understands that Jesus knows. He knows. He knows. He knows his history. He knows his heart. He knows his future. He, and in the next passage, he lets us in that he knows his focus. 
He knows his focus. And back to the passage today, Peter, <laughs> Peter and Jesus are walking, and they're walking along. And in, in John chapter 21, uh, verse 20 uh, to 22, it says this, Peter turned and saw that the disciple who Jesus loved was following them. And this was, was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. And so we see Peter's distraction. Peter, Peter's distracted by another disciple. He, Peter, notice in verse 20, Peter's turn. Peter turned and saw the other disciple. He, he turns, and this is not Peter's first time being distracted. He, 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 he was distracted while he was on water walking with Jesus that day, and he took his eyes off of Jesus, and he began to focus on the wind and the waves, and he began to sink begin to go down. He begins to sing. We will find ourselves in trouble when we take our focus off of Jesus. Amen, somebody. P Peter looks back, and he looks back physically, and he looks back spiritually. But then we see Peter's distraction leaves space for comparison. In verse 21 and verse 22, when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain until I return, what is that to you? <laughs> because Jesus gave Peter just a, a general understanding of his future and what will happen to him, Jesus didn't go into detail. But now Peter is interested in, in John's future too. He's like, wait, what about him? And it may not be because Peter's jealous, or it could be just that he's curious, he just wants to know, or maybe he's nosy, maybe he wants to compare, but, but he could just be interested in his friend's future. But the major issue is this, if Jesus tells Peter uh, John's business, Peter may begin comparing their futures. He may feel jealous or insecure or prideful of his future. He, he may like John's ending better than he likes his ending. Peter may say, I, I like islands, I like, I like Patmos, you know. He, he may like, and that's John's ending, basically, <laughs> for some of y'all. Right, right, he, 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 I like Patmos, right? Comparison gives birth oftentimes to jealousy, to insecurity, to hate, to pride, to self-esteem issues, to unwarranted worry, to stress. Comparison distracts. It discourages, it deceives at times. I like this quote that says, be careful what you bring into your mind because it just may grow there. Be careful what you bring into your mind because remember in the Old Testament, the people begin to, begin to sing, to, uh, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten, ten thousands. And Saul couldn't handle that comparison that they made of, of them and he, it ate at him. Jesus doesn't give Peter the opportunity to compare. He doesn't let him even go there. And maybe we need to ask ourselves, when we begin to compare, maybe we need to ask ourselves, what is that to you? But be talking to ourselves. Now, don't say it out loud. People are going to think you're crazy. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> we don't. We don't need that. But we need to ask ourselves, hey, what is it to you? Why, why, why do I care? What, what am I concerned about? 
Because here's the second thing that we notice here. Peter has enough to focus on. The, the main problem is Peter's mind is not on what just happened. Peter wants to know John's future. We, we miss what God is doing in our lives when we're so caught up in our focus too much on others. What, what is God doing in your life? What is he doing through you Peter has just been recommissioned. He has a role to play in the future of the church in shepherding and in feeding uh, the, the, the Jesus' sheep and lamb. He also has a price to consider as he will consider be, be enduring suffering. Peter has a lot to think about. He has a lot on his plate, but he says, what about him? Peter has enough to focus on. Comparison also happens in ministry, Right? Dr. Howard Hendricks, he's one of my favorite authors. Uh, he's, Dr. Howard Hendricks says, comparison is the favorite indoor sport of the Christian. <laughs> comparison makes men miserable. And at times when we compare, we, we're oftentimes not appreciating the blessings that God is bringing, bringing into our life, the blessings of our family, the blessings of our children, the blessings of our finances, the blessings of, of being in this country, of, of the freedom that we have. We're, we're oftentimes not considering those things, the, the calling that we have on our lives. Sometimes we look at someone else's calling and say, man, look at the calling, the, how God has gifted them, but, but we don't take appreciation of how God has gifted you. But we look at the personal growth in someone else and don't look at the, what God is doing in, their, in, in your life. We look at the trials in our life and we look at other people and say, Look how easy that they have it, but we don't understand what God is doing through our trials. In the same way, we sometimes look at churches and ministries and say, man, look at how they're growing, and we're not growing. Comparison doesn't always lead us to appreciate what God is doing in our lives. And the first message I preached about worry, worry steals joy, but also comparison can steal joy. Here's another quote for you. The fastest way to, ki to kill something special is to compare it to something else. The fastest way to kill something special to, is to compare it to something else. You were feeling good about those boots that you had, and somebody else came in with some newer boots, and you were just like, oh. Uh. The fastest way to kill something special is to, is to compare it to someone else. The church is the body of Christ, and we all have different gifts and different abilities. How boring would it would be if we all had the same thing? We all had the same gift. How boring it would be. What if we, one Sunday, we all walked in with 200 guitars, 250 guitars. I, I don't know how Grant would feel about that. Uh, you, you would like that. Huh? All right. It would be crazy. It'd be chaos. It might not be as crazy as we think. I don't know. Uh, but we, we need to appreciate our role. We need to appreciate our calling. We need to appreciate the, the struggles and the struggles and the trials that God has taken us through. Everyone can't, can't sing like Grant. Everybody can't preach like Pastor Harris. Everybody can't be cool like Josiah. Everybody can't, <laughs> everybody can't cook like Sarah, right? Listen, we, 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 everybody can't do technology like Carrie. God has a role for all of us to play, though. He has a role for everybody to play within the church. At the church in Corinth, uh, the, the members, they would begin to take sides and, and, uh, 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 about who they subscribed to, basically. Who was their favorite? They, uh, they said, man, uh, Jesus, man, and then Jesus is my favorite. And, and others would say, Peter is my favorite. Someone would say, oh, what about Apollos? And what about Paul? They, and uh, they had all these different factions. And, and what was happening, it was causing division in the church. 
And Peter and Paul was basically saying, hey, guys, it's not about nobody else but Jesus. It's just about Jesus. It's who we subscribe to. And here we all have roles to play, but it's about Jesus. And so what he basically says, he says, let them know what the, the role that he's played. He said, I planted Apollo's water, and the Lord gave the increase. Basically, he said, he said, I played my role, Apollos played his role, and the Lord gave the increase. He said, I serve, Apollo served, and the Lord gave the increase. And the same thing should be happening in our church, and when we think about what God is doing, hey, I taught my class, they taught their class, and the Lord gave the increase. Listen, I served, they served, and the Lord gave the increase. I, I invited some friends, they invited some friends, and the Lord gave the increase. Listen, I, I prayed, they prayed, and the Lord gave the increase. Imagine what will happen if we uh, begin to focus on our roles and appreciate it, what God is doing in our lives. Listen, we, 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 you can only be 100% you. Uh, you. You can't be 100% anyone else. You can reach people that I can't. <laughs> and there's other people in the church that in the same way works with everyone. You can reach people that I can't. I, I can reach people that you may not be able to. And the same thing happens with churches that what, what works at another church in another context may not work for the church in this context. <laughs> right? <laughs> I didn't get approval to talk about this with my wife, but I'm getting approval now to talk about it. Uh, but <laughs> this is what happens when you're married to a minister. You just get put in the message. But, but one thing that I remember uh, growing up with me and my wife, we went to two different colleges, and we were dating, and we were hours away from each other. And all was well, but the, the struggle of the, the, the time was, it was, it was the biggest thing. But then all of our friends began to get married around us. Right? And we're in college and people are getting married. And then the eyes begin to shift on us. Like, when are you getting married? When are you getting married? When are you all getting married? And I'm just like, I don't know. I'm broke. I don't have no money. I'm in college. <laughs> I'm poor. I don't even have, I can't even afford the OR. We're poor. We ain't got no money, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> and some of that pressure begins from outside begin to come in. We weren't even thinking about that like that. But at the same time, <laughs> We also begin to think about those things and, and begin to compare and think about it, all this stuff. But we had to do what worked for us. We got married outside of college. We got married once we got done. We had to do what works for us. We couldn't do what works for everyone. And the same thing with our church, man. We, we do what works for us. And other churches will do what works for them. Sometimes comparing coming from, comes from outside in. And sometimes it comes from the inside out. And what we need to do is we need to silent that voice. Shut that voice up that, that hey, <laughs> why? What, what is it to me? Lastly, it tells us basically Jesus gives a simple direction. You must follow me. <laughs> when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Why are you worried about him for it's, like, it's not like Jesus doesn't know John's end. He knows it, but, but it's not Peter's business. John, Jesus is saying, you must follow me. And what I like and, and ironic here, and you may not find it as ironic, but here Peter's focused on John, and he's, he's, he's considering what, what about him. And Jesus says, you follow me. And literally in the text, that's what John is doing with it. He's following Jesus physically in the passage. I think that's really cool. But the role of a disciple is to follow Jesus. He says, follow me. In the second, uh, this is the second time Jesus says to Peter in this text, follow me. 
Disciples come, disciple comes from the Greek word mathetes, which is rendered student or pupil. And in general, a disciple is a committed follower of a person such as a teacher or a master. It's impossible to be a disciple of someone and not end up like that person. It's impossible to be a disciple of someone and not end up like that person. Why is this, you ask? Because they are busy copying and comparing and imitating, trying to be like that person. And that's the question that we need to ask that we spend all this time being a believer. Am I like Jesus? Am I like him? Am I becoming more like him? Matthew 4 and, and 10 reminds us, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Matthew chapter 16 and 24 says, then Jesus told the disciples, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. A disciple is a committed believer who is sold out for Christ. And, I, and we're sold out for Christ in our daily life, and our spiritual life, that we're sold out for him following Christ in some sense, really in, in a greater sense, takes our attention. We have to focus on him. And what this passage really teaches us is, is as our focus goes, so do we. As, as, as Peter was focusing on John, so his mind goes. As our focus goes, so do we. We tend to go in the direction of what we, follow, of what we focus on. Are you following Christ? Hebrews chapter 12 and 2 reminds us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy who set before him endured the cross, scorning the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Is Christ in view? In your life, in your daily life, do you wake up thinking about him? Is he on your mind in your day? Are, you, are we spending time in, in our word trying to, is Christ in view? The other question for today is, what comparisons do you need to give up? What, what comparisons do you need to give up? What distractions are, are, are taking your focus off of Christ? And I'm going to be honest with you today, I've wasted too much time comparing I've wasted too much time comparing. I have brothers and fathers in ministry, and I've wasted a lot of time trying to focus and be like them, when in reality, I needed to focus and to be like Christ, not just like my brothers. And in that, I found my voice. I found my journey. I found my track. But I spent way too much time trying to be like them. And here's the other thing. If we really want to compare and sometimes comparison makes us feel good because of our self-righteousness. If we really want to compare, I got somebody you compare yourself to. His name is Jesus. And if you want to compare how your love, compare your love to Christ. If you want to compare your righteousness, compare yourself, your righteousness to Christ. If you want to compare your obedience, your mercy, your forgiveness, compare it to Christ. If you want to compare your faith, compare it to Christ. Compare yourself to Christ because he is our example. He is the one who we are trying to be like. We're not trying to please anybody else out there. There's a lot of people that could be our audience, but that, that we're not trying to please. We have one person we're trying to please. And I'm reminded of this. An A on earth can be an F in heaven. But an F on earth can be an A in heaven. Just think about that. Who are you trying to please? 
Who are we trying to please? Scripture reminds us, what good is it to gain the world and to lose your soul? Because oftentimes we compare to get the approval of others or to, 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 to feel good about ourselves. What, what are we trying to do? So as the band is coming up, we have this invitation for you today. The band is coming up. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ uh, as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you don't know him personally today, but you have an opportunity to get to know him, to know this Savior, and to have someone in view that you can follow. <laughs> There's so much in this world, so many distractions, so many things that uh, can easily lead you astray. But man, I tell you, knowing Jesus, the song used to say, Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. But knowing Jesus is the greatest thing that you could ever do. You can know him for yourself. The song says that he walks with me and he talks with me. He tells me that I am his own. He, and he does that. He helps you in this life, in this journey. I know we want to chase after money and chase after fame and all these other things. And these things are going to fade away. What good is it to gain the whole world and lose your soul? You have an opportunity today to get to know Jesus for yourself. Or maybe you're done with comparing and you, you want to make sure you're spending your time focusing on Christ. And you can come down today and we can pray with you. We thank you so much for your time. Will you bow? Dear Lord, we just want to be more like you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this, for this month being able to consider and think about things that, that we need to do to focus and to be more like you, Lord. We fall short often, but Lord, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. But Lord, we pray, Lord, today you help us to, to, to put comparison away and begin to start comparing ourselves to you and see what ways we need to work on ourselves to get better and to take a step each day, each month, each year to be more like you because that's the goal, Lord. We want to be like you. So we thank you today. We praise you, Lord, for what you're doing. It's in Jesus' name.